we are back again to understand the difference between new age companies and new edge companies. A new age company typically refers to a company that embraces innovative and progressive ideas, technologies and practices in the operations and business model. On the other hand, a new edge company refers to a company that is at the forefront of industry advancements, cutting edge technologies and business strategies. These companies are constantly pushing the boundaries of what's possible, leveraging the latest tools and techniques to stay ahead of the competition. So let's deep dive into this with the market expert, Ms. Meeta Shetty, fund manager at Tata Mutual Funds. Tata Mutual Fund is a part of prestigious Tata group of companies on May 31st, 2022. Tata Mutual Fund funds has has had an AUM of 86,987.36 crores. Ms. Neeta has over 15 years of industry experience. Prior to joining Tata Asset Management, she has worked with Kotec Securities Limited, HDFC Security Limited, Asia Market Securities and that and the Lal Brosha stockbroking. Ms. Meeta is also managing funds like Tata Focused Equity Fund, Tata Digital India Fund, as well as Tata Indian India Pharma and HC Fund. Now, I'll be handing over the mic to Mr. Vikas Agarwal, who will in turn be handing over to uh, the mic to Ms. Meeta. Over to you, uh, sir. Yeah, thank you, Pragya. Hello, Meeta, how are you? Hi, Vikas, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, yeah, all well. So, thank you so much for accepting our request and uh, you know coming on this conclave. This conclave is all about alternate investing in portfolio management services. But this topic, particularly chosen by us, based on the based on the re request from most of the investors, is that they're getting confused with new edge company and new edge company in the sense that you know uh, you have a lot of confusion taking place. A lot of investors are making mistakes of investing in. Uh, these new age businesses and and they've realized after their IPOs are out, their their stocks are down by good 50, 60, 70 percent. So I thought who would be the better person than Meeta, you know, herself, she's coming and talking to our investors and explaining the difference. Also, if you can, if you would like to talk anything else about, you know, the way that you manage the funds uh, is all going to be yours. So floor is yours. Over to you. Thank you. Sure, sure. So first of all, thank you so much, Vikas, for uh, giving the opportunity and the platform to connect to such a large uh, base of investors. Uh, and uh, I think I'm doing a great job. Uh, so uh, congratulations to you and the entire AIF and PMS.com team. I think it, it's a very, very good step uh, in the right direction. Uh, coming to how I manage funds. So I've been managing funds since 2018 uh, at Tata. And uh, uh, obviously, I mean, at a, at, at a house level, we definitely have a philosophy of a garb, which is uh, growth at reasonable price. And we try and stitch around our portfolio, uh, which come, you know, somewhere falls into this bracket. Uh, now, this will include a lot of uh, uh, kind of, you know, uh, uh, various kind of uh, stocks or opportunities which may fall into a special situation, which I think the previous speaker was just highlighting. Or it could be just a pure, uh, you know, in turn change in the kind of growth parameter for that company. And suddenly the growth and value uh, fits into a very, very interesting kind of uh, range 
so it can be multiple legs of how GARP uh, uh, stocks are or a GARP industry is. Uh, but the idea is that if it's a GARP stock or an industry, you generally not only end up making uh, growth-led returns, but you also have some element of re-rating going into that. And that's where we end up generating alpha for our investors. So that's the broader philosophy. Apart of that, obviously, I try to see that we have a decent balance of, uh, you know, uh, some steady compounders, some uh, uh, deep value also, but obviously having some edge of growth. So it's it's a healthy mix, which is why I think, uh, which is what makes us uh, believe that it gives you a steady, uh, uh, you know, steadiness in a volatile market, but also gives you some return generating opportunities at the same time. So let's dive into the... Uh, you know, into the slides which I've made oh. and which is why I'm here to talk uh, on the new age and right. new age companies. Uh, yeah. I think my slide is visible. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll just request Manvi to put up that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's visible, full, right? Uh, full view. Yeah. Slide view. Okay. Is that better? Better. Over to you. Okay. Great. Uh, so, uh, so thank you, audience, for your time. And uh, uh, you know, when when Vikas reached out to me, and uh, he was, we were thinking about what we can talk around new age. Uh, Boss is a new age. Uh, uh, you know, I thought that new age is something that has uh, been, uh, you know, the talk of the town for the last three years. Particularly during COVID, I think new age was a coined word, wherein anything which was perceived as new age, uh, everybody wanted to latch on to it and ensure that they are there uh, for this new age companies, which were promising very strong growth into the future. Uh, and, and, you know, everybody at whatever price it was available, everybody wanted to be a part of uh, this journey. Uh, so let's look at some of the interesting IPOs which came in around 2021. Uh, this was a time when, you know, uh, new age was the hot selling cake uh, or so. Uh, so you can see that, yes, that was a time when everybody wanted to participate. But today, around almost, uh, you know, two, three years down the line, we can see that most of the prominent names, so I've not made this list very exhaustive, just listed out some very, very prominent names which came out around that time. And you can see that uh, the performance of most of the stocks uh, today, as of, uh, you know, just recent dates, uh, how have they performed? And clearly, one thing is very clearly seen in most of the names is that they, there has been a massive uh, rundown on, on the valuations of this uh, these uh, set of companies. There's been a massive wealth erosion which has happened. Uh, and, and, you know, the question then comes to us that what has suddenly gone so wrong? I mean, where have uh, the industry gone wrong? Is it is it not growing as much? Uh, is there now risk perceived? So a lot of things have changed. But one thing was clear that, you know, now the investors are not willing to take part in, in opportunities or stocks where there is a lack of visibility on profits. Uh, if you don't show profits, uh, there is no value ascribed to, to uh, higher value ascribed to that company. Uh, second was obviously the interest rate increase which happened and, uh, you know, in a higher interest rate uh, scenario, uh, nobody wanted to be sided with companies which are, uh, you know, high growth companies because there is a clear linkage between how interest rates uh, impact the valuations of high growth companies. So clearly that was the second reason why we saw what we saw. Uh, and third was obviously there was a complete risk aversion, right? Uh, uh, that frenzy of new age, everybody just wanted to, you know, part themselves away with that. 
a uh, lot of investors probably would have also booked huge losses some are sitting on huge losses so clearly there was there is a shift in what was perceived earlier versus what is perceived now uh some bit because of the interest rate but some bit also because of now uh, profitability as at the is at the core of the argument today so so you know a uh, interesting question comes to mind is then how should one value these companies uh okay we were there in 2021 everybody wanted to give whatever value is uh, available or whatever the best of the value one can give to them uh, but now after a drawdown of 70 80% uh, there is a question coming to us and i'm sure in everyone's mind that are we valuing them right or did we value them right uh, way back in 21 uh so before i get into how do you value them i think there are some very basic things which i think uh, we as fund managers and analysts uh, definitely want our boxes to be ticked uh, now this is does not only uh, you know ascribe to a new age company for that matter it actually implies to everything which is there in the market whether new age or an old uh, uh, older uh, profit non profitable company so let's look at these three points first uh, inflection point so when i say an inflection point it possibly means that either there is a complete turning point which is happening into that industry or there is a significant development which has happened and which is generally now leading to a very different kind of uh, growth uh, horizon or in most of the cases when we say inflection point we are basically talking about a mass adoption which is suddenly now come to picture and you know it's suddenly uh, getting used by each and every uh, possible uh, you know uh, customer who who can use it uh, so that uh, is very critical when we are particularly looking at any of the new age companies second important point is the strong growth runway now you know thankfully we are all living into a country which is one of the fastest growing developing economy and uh, it is probably likely to be so for the next couple of years or probably a decade uh, and thankfully because the economy is doing so well there are so many legs of pockets where uh, there is a very strong growth runway and when we particularly talk about the new age companies because these new age companies are changing the way we are behaving as a customer the way we are purchasing things the way we are ordering things the way we are uh, transacting it's changing every possible uh, way the touch points have been for us as customers uh, and clearly that is uh, you know uh, leading to a good strong runway uh, growth for these companies possibly going into the future first the economy is doing well and second because these are very nascent developments which have happened and the mass adoption is still to happen there's clearly a growth runway which is visible so that is the second thing which is very very important for uh, you know us investors you as investors to understand that whether there is a strong runway of growth uh, and third and the most critical is that is there a path to profitability so uh, you know i understand that Im- immediately in the st- initial years the companies may not be profitable but is there a path to profitability is there some horizon or at least some certainty where we can say that after x number of years these companies will start making profit and uh, you know is there is there a road map to that profitability uh, because ultimately it's all about you know how much money have you put into that business and how much have you earned out of that business unless the businesses don't start earning money it's it's hardly it's very difficult for us as investors to start making profit on that entity or 
or, or that uh, enterprise. So clearly, these are the three very critical points. If I have to just deep dive into all the three of them, uh, the inflection points. So let's look at this uh, interesting examples of you know the vehicle ownership across uh, some important geographies, uh, and the the idea to put this data here is not to comment anything on the auto sector. I I think this data clearly tells you that how the auto sector probably might behave. But this is also to point out that when the inflection points in any industry is hit, uh, the growth rates pose that inflection point is uh, clearly massive and, and it's far, far superior to what it has been in the last few years. So you can see that, you know, Japan, Korea, uh, where they were in uh, in in say 1949 or or 1950 to to what uh, Japan was in 62 and how the per thousand people ownership of car moved from just a 30 odd number to as high as almost 600. Similarly for a Korea market, I mean it moved from just about 2030 to almost 400 in a matter of point. And you can see that the inflection point to the journey of reaching that massive number of 500 or 400 has where the most of the money would have been made for the investors would have invested into those uh, those uh, companies or industries uh, even for that matter india i mean india we have the third largest network of roads uh, globally and uh, our ownership levels are still fairly low I and mean, this data points out to almost uh, 40 50 cars uh, in 2017 Today, the number has clearly gone to closer to 200. Uh, but if you look at the number of households which are owning cars in India, as of December 22, I think the data points out to just about 7.5%. So 7.5% of households are owning car in India. And, and that's about it. So clearly, inflection points make a huge difference for any industry. Uh, and when uh, we are evaluating the new age companies, one has to see whether we are closer to that inflection point. Because if you are not very closer to that, then probably there is a runway of growth, but not as great as it can be uh, post that inflection point happens. So inflection point becomes a very critical factor when we are looking at these new age companies. Another important thing to watch out for in the inflection point is particularly perceived to India as a country. Uh, I mean, we all use mobile phones. We all have internet connections now, thanks to you know what we saw in the mobile uh, operator industry in 2017. Uh, most of the uh, hands in India, uh, which are in the age group of you know 20 to say 70, we all have some access to internet today. But when you look at the online shoppers' data, uh, barely about you know 15 odd crore uh, people in 2020 were online shoppers versus a good 70 odd crore or 65 70 odd crore as a population which had access to internet in some way uh, this number as per red Sears, is expected to go to somewhere close to 15 is going to 35 40 crores and that's almost a massive two and a half to three times jumps that we are talking about and if that is what is going to unfold and imagine by 2030 where this number can probably look like uh, just 50% uh, penetration will also mean that we are talking about 70 odd crore people using online shopping versus just 15 odd crore people using in 2020. So is this an inflection point? Probably yes, I think. Uh, and this will go on to benefit most of these new age companies, 
no matter what vertical they are in obviously there has to be a good runway of growth for that uh, which we'll cover in the next slide but particularly uh, it tells you that there is definitely a room for inflection for these uh, new age companies when it comes to india as a country second important point which i was highlighting was strong runway of growth now this was a very interesting data which i thought that makes a lot of sense to add here and highlight uh, now this example i've taken is of the uh, share of out of home food so basically the food that we have in the restaurants or outside uh, and second data point is of the how much is online food delivery as percentage of that total uh, you can see that in india we are hardly eating out of home india we always you know this is a country where we believe that outside food is not very hygiene and uh, we generally avoid uh, eating so much outside we prefer the home cooked food and and uh, look at the other countries i mean in china or south korea or usa the share of out of home food is massively higher than what we are they are probably 5 6 times higher than where we are one reason for that is clearly that the women participation in workforce is far higher in those countries so so if i have to share some data points china probably is at about 70 odd percent women in the workforce whereas india we are barely 30% or so uh, so clearly that is also one of the reason why i mean women are still into the conventional duties of taking care of the home and uh, cooking uh, whereas that probably is not very feasible for someone uh, like china where the women participation is almost 70% uh, so clearly these are the things which are changing uh, in india as well and i think clearly a decade later this number will look far far better uh, as far as the out of home food consumption is concerned so that tells you that probably we are at a strong runway for the restaurant businesses as well coming to the online food delivery again here the penetration for india is about less than 10% Uh, globally it has been at about 20 odd percent so there also once we have more out of food consumption we see the online food portals also seeing more participation happening from these uh, customers uh, for online delivery so clearly that tells you that this industry is probably sitting on the verge of a strong growth runway now this is just one example right but if i look at insurance if i look at cars when we buy or sell uh, online or for that matter you know any other uh, uh, marketplace which is b2b or a b2c i think that what we need to understand is that uh, first is there an inflection point in the industry second is there a strong growth runway because once is once is inflection touches you also have to have a strong runway of growth i mean if we if we are talking about a, a product which may everybody may not want to own or everybody may not want to use then your growth runway may be curtailed at some point in time and we probably will peak, peak out much sooner uh, than what we saw in the previous charts of a car ownership so this is a very second important point to keep in mind when we are looking at these new age kind of companies third and i think this is the most important and the critical aspect of uh looking at new age companies uh, i think uh, you know the dilemma which most of these uh, new age company promoters or uh, you know uh, uh, startup guys have is that should you look at profitability or should you look at scale now when you're looking up talking about profitability or scale i think that uh, you know everybody wants to grow faster 
and uh, the faster you grow you probably are uh, you know reaching a much larger scale much larger uh, audience much larger number of customers and and then you are also thinking that you know the bigger you grow uh, profitability will follow but then there has to be a point where these promoters or at least as investors we understand that how fast does these managements plan to grow let's look an example of uh, we work right we work in about 2018 had uh, around you know 400 odd locations they were growing at a breakneck speed and they were just looking at growth at at all in all, in all parameters uh, they went from 400 to 800 or 750 or just in a year's time even on their membership they were massively growing uh, in around 2018 19 or for that matter of that 5 6 years from 2015 onwards uh, and look at the valuations i mean the initially the investors were rewarding them the valuations around 2018 19 for that company was pegged at somewhere close to 50 billion dollars uh, but once there was a realization that these uh, high growths are not following up with any profitability or a road map of profitability that 50 odd billion dollar uh, was valued at just about 9 billion dollars in 2021 just in two years the there was a massive value erosion and even today if you look at the valuation or the market cap for that company is less than a billion dollars so from 49 to just about a billion dollar and and uh, profitability was one of the biggest reason why what we've seen what uh, you know in terms of how the stock has behaved or how the market cap has eroded so yes you want to grow fast but then you also have to have some uh, you know uh, horizon as to how fast do you want to grow and how you are looking at that growth going into the future whether you are only looking at growth or are you also looking at profitability second important thing to look here is that is it a winner takes it all market so you know there will be industries there will be uh, you know segments where if you are growing very fast and if you are uh, into a monopolistic kind of uh, scenario then uh, definitely uh, you are the only one and then your profitability is completely some up to you you can just swing the profitability the way you want uh, so i think if i have to give an example maybe a google or a walmart probably falls into that category so if, is it a winner take all market probably for google and for a for a walmart yes because they kept growing they kept spending and then you know uh, they are mono, into more or less a monopoly market and uh, and and profitability definitely will follow at some point in time so that is another important question but if i look at uber's case uber always thought that you know it's a winner takes all market and we have seen that uh, only uh, growing has not helped and they've actually not done well in terms of the investors uh, money uh, so the second important point is is it a winner takes all market third is that is it uh, is there a target market share which gives you some visibility on profitability so you know if your if your question on is there a target market share is answered so if you know that particular management or a particular industry is eyeing that they want to grow to say an online food delivery is eyeing that they want to become a 30% of the restaurant market or if they if if a particular company is believing that they want to become of uh, 60% of the online food delivery market or or you know or say insurance market uh, at least then as an investor you are sure that at some point you will achieve that uh, number and then you will go back to your profitability you will assume that that company will start turning profitability because they will not be burning cash to grow 
most of these companies the problem is that because to grow fast they are consistently burning cash they are acquiring customers the value to acquire customer is you know pulling down their profitability uh, and and that's kind of putting into them a tailspin where you know profits are just not following and they're just focusing on the growth so that is the most important thing that you know how uh, that market share is perceived where is the target market share for for these companies or is there even a target market share for that company so meeta sorry to interrupt so uh, yeah. we are running short of time so anything else that oh. you yeah uh, uh, can i just quickly run through my following slides if if that is uh, okay yeah so unfortunately there was some technical delay uh, you know from okay. our end okay so let me just go to last slide and then maybe uh, so these are few examples i gave that how amazon initial years did not make profit after listing uh, but then it turned profitable this is the profit margin this is the profit and this is the 100 times return which it has made for the stocks uh, uber again as i was saying that has bleeded but then stock also has not gone anywhere so investors have not been able to uh, gain a lot of it uh, dcf i think is critical for these companies i think dcf is very critical uh, you cannot value them on price to earning eva beta but dcf model is is very very uh, critical aspect for this and that's how we value these companies last slide uh, you know uh, are these movie companies moving to an edge since the topic was about new age and new age i thought i'll cover this uh, so i think new age would mean any kind of mode that a company is creating or industry is creating so economies of scale uh, probably we are talking about a walmart kind of company or network effect would be anything like a visa or a mastercard goodwill customer goodwill would be something like a disney i mean it's created a customer goodwill where nobody wants to now look at any other option there high customer switching cost would be probably like a microsoft outlook uh, or an outlook as a whole i mean there are options but do we want to switch because the customer cost uh, switching cost is much higher so these are few of the edges which companies can probably you know uh, reach uh, over a period and we have to see whether these new age companies are reaching to any of these new age kind of levels uh, so i think yeah uh, i think because we are short of time uh, i can't dwell into each of these companies as uh, as planned but yeah anything over to you vikas uh, Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for lovely presentation. We got a lot of insights about what is the difference. And as I said, there are a lot of investors who make mistakes investing in companies, uh, you know, during their IPO times. And then, I mean, I don't want to take the examples, but I'm saying that after that, they realize that they made big mistakes. So, you know, your presentation right. certainly help all of them, and you know, you're doing fantastically well on the fund side as well, managing the fund very, very efficiently. So, best wishes to you from our side. Uh, thank, thank you so. Much. Thank you Vikas thanks thank you thanks for joining